0: Chapter 18 of In Search of Mademoiselle by George Gibbs, recorded by Tony Oliva. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Poet King Not for two weeks did we have word or sign from Admiral de Coligny, but at last a messenger came speedily for de brsac who followed in haste to the hotel du chatillon the admiral sought further information then there was another long silence and our impatience was not diminished when the report of the massacre got abroad and a rumor came from madrid that a vessel had reached spain from san augustin and that the messengers of Menendez to King Philip had been received with great goodwill and circumstance. I wish this business brought to a favorable conclusion, but if not were to come of it, I longed to justify myself before Captain Hooper, and would rather have sought other employment at the Pelican in Plymouth than to dilly-dally at the French court yet what we saw and learned in this great city of paris was most instructive through the good offices of m de teligny and of coligny i had been enabled to renew my costume and goddard had been given a purse well lined with pistoles out of which he had bought himself from a dealer in cast-off garments a most gaudy vesture of red and yellow velvet and silk these being the colors most to his liking he had a gray high-pointed hat of a bygone fashion ornamented with a wide-flowing plume the breeches were most capacious and trimmed with ribbons the stockings were gray and the shoes were high ornamented with great flame-colored rosettes his sword was of a most prodigious length and though hooked well up by his shoulder straps clanked and clattered upon the paving stones like that of a swaggerer at the writers much of the time he spent below in the courtyard smoking and conversing with la chastro the body-servant of a host A roistering man at arms who, second only to Goddard himself, had the most voluble proficiency in camp language I had ever heard. There, upon a bench in the sun, the two of them would sit during most of the day, the one rolling out his roundest mouth-filling speech which the other would set in some fashion into a language of his own goddard had soon cut his hair short in the prevailing fashion and by the end of a week his upper lip was blue with stubble which with elbow aloft he vainly strove to stroke and twist after the manner of the raffine he had seen coming from the levee when i marvelling and curious at his wonderful jerkin and shadowy lip, called him to me and asked him how it was that he was turning frog-eater upon so short occasion he sent a great whiff of smoke from his pipe, saying, "'Tis a wench, sir, a most comely wench, who vows that—' till I grow a beard upon my face, she will have none of me. A man without hair upon his face, says she, is like a pasty without truffles. What think you of that for a saucy minx? I went off to the fencing hall. Here Pompey, the maître d'arm to the king, sometimes gave a showing of his art. And I picked up one or two tricks of fence on the use of the dagger and had much interest in some strokes which had come newly into vogue at court once when we were returning thence we came to a small hostel before the door of which a crowd had gathered from within there was a babble of voices and much laughter a familiar odor saluted my nostrils, for there was Job Goddard teaching mine host the art of smoking. That was not altogether to the fancy of that worthy was readily to be seen by the grimaces he made and the groans which he let forth from his throat. But La Lachastro was behind him, the point of his rapier touching the wide breeches prodding at intervals between the puffs to spur his energy goddard with his tall plume waving in the air was standing in front of him holding the reed within his lips and saying suck suck my little pasty flipper thus only may you learn the virtues of the tabac tis none so sweet as Malvoisie." hey my little wine-bibber!" Then leaning forward imitating the grimaces of the rogue, "Ventre de loup!" roared La Chastro. "So you do not like us to make a smoke in your house, eh? You say we shall not? Quarlesome little pig that you are! "Bah! now puff, puff, puff!" And each time came a new prod in the breeches, Making mine host to writhe the more, though he puffed and clung to the pipe which Job Goddard held as though death alone could separate them, parbleu said Goddard, puff and puff again, twill make ye proof against the plague and other things, also it is of much benefit to the manners, taking away all fretting and excitement. "'Tis a way we have among the caribs, when all is in agreement. "'The pipe of peace is what ye smoke, me lad. "'When tis finished, no more discussion will there be atween us.' "'But the little man had no further humour for discussion of any kind he turned the color of lead and putting his two hands upon his wide paunch in dismay he spat forth the pipe and dashed frantically back among his pots and pans la chastre all aiding his departure with the toe of his boot the onlookers roared with merriment, and Goddard blew out some marvellous smoke-rings from his lungs, to the great delight of the wandering crowd. So, after all, there was much to amuse and entertain. Monsieur de Teligny took us out upon the streets at the hour of the afternoon, when the world was abroad pointing out to us those of the courtiers who were closest in the councils of the king. He showed us the beauties and their lovers, and told us the number of duels fought over each, and how, the greater the number, the greater the fame of the lady. Here was one favorite who numbered her duels in the twenties, and there another poor creature for whom but four men had fought and no person had been killed we saw little Comange, prince of raffines who had more deaths to his credit or debit than any man in france he had once taken a man out to the Pre aux Clercs. when they had uncloaked he had said to his cavalier "'Are you not Bernie of Auvergne?' "'No,' says the other. "'I am Villequier from Normandy.' "'Tis a pity to have been mistaken,' said Commage. "'But I have challenged you, and, of course, we must fight.' "'And he killed him with a beautiful feint and thrust in tears.' We passed the house of René the Florentine, Poisoner for Catherine de' Medici. We saw Thore de Montmorency, Little Captain Burn the Benches, His Grace the Archbishop of Bottles, who by reason of the early hour was still walking with uh, much steadiness. The Count de Rochefoucauld, nicknamed the Cabbage Killer, who had ordered his arquebuses to cut a plot of cabbages to pieces, his poor sight taking them for lance knects. There the Tuileries, just a building, and here the Louvre where the king and the queen mother were holding court once we saw the royal cavalcade returning from the hunt at the chateau de madrid and the jerkin of the king was covered with blood it being his delight to kill the stag with his own hands he seemed a young man fairly well set together but with a head put somewhat low and awkwardly between his shoulders the neck craning forward unpleasantly giving a lowering look to a figure otherwise agreeable as to his face the forehead protruded and heavy ridges above the eyes gave notice of a high temper the nose was thick and the upper lip protruded while the lower one fell away the eyes seemed of a greenish hue and shifted from this side to that the skin pale yellow which showed the habitual derangement to which he was prey but it was not a harsh face only stupid and wistful truthful upon the whole but weak most unlike catherine who once rode beside him that jezebel from italy who thought that to be honest was to be a fool. It was well into the month of January before word came again from Coligny summoning us to the Louvre. We knew that long communications had been sent by both Charles and Catherine de' Medici to Focqueville at Madrid asking reparation for the slaughter at San Augustin. The Duke d'Alava the Spanish ambassador at Paris had replied for his sovereign that Philip considered the French colonists pirates and intruders upon the domains of Spain and that there could be no reparation The position of Admiral Coligny was unchanged and there so far as we knew the affair rested now however we should perhaps learn something more the summons from coligny excited hope de brezac and i with monsieur de teligny passed by way of the rue d'Averon and the rue saint germain to the louvre over the moat and through the stone arch into a great courtyard the place was alive with men in armor but Monsieur de teligny having the entree was well known to the cornet of the guard and we walked up the wide stairs to the audience chamber where most of the general business of the king queen-mother or admiral was carried forward the names of Monsieur de teligny and of de Bresac. Having been passed by the gentleman in waiting, we were presently shown to the anteroom of his majesty's apartments, where Gaspard de Coligny was awaiting us. He bore a most serious countenance as, dismissing those about him, he arose to greet us. The king is within, he said, and I have wished him to see and speak with monsieur de Bresac and monsieur killigrew monsieur Dalavar has been here this morning and there is news from madrid not knowing what was desired of us we entered the king's apartment after the great admiral and stood inside the curtains the room had more the appearance of an armory than of an audience chamber for about the walls there hung halberds pikes spears hunting-horns knives and arquebuses while upon the floor were saddles a morion and breast-pieces and a wolf-trap which His Majesty had but just devised Foils and masks lay upon a chair by the chimney-piece, Before which a great stag hound bitch lay sleeping upon the hearth rug. Here it was that the king took his fencing lessons with Monsieur Pompey, and wrote verses with Monsieur Ronsard. His Majesty, his back toward the door, sat before a table covered with books and papers, hawk bells and nets. He was leaning over, his elbow upon a book, his chin in his hand, while his eyes in deep thought were cast upward toward the ceiling. So deeply engrossed was he upon the verses he was writing that he was not aware of our presence until the admiral, waiting a moment, went forward and spoke. The king started from his reverie. Sire, said Coligny ah mon père he exclaimed rising and stretching forward a hand it is you i was in a fine poetic frenzy was i not your majesty has a ready gift come my plato said he joyously you shall be the judge of how this couplet runs pour maintenir la foi je suis belle et fidèle but your majesty aux ennemis du roi je suis belle et cruelle tis for a new arquebuse monsieur which the armorer has made me think you not it has a glittering ring your majesty ronsard himself could not have invented better but this morning think you so sire i have come this morning upon a state matter of great importance charles dropped back into his chair matters of state matters of court can i never get away from this confusion the admiral paused a moment motioning us forward sire there is news from madrid to-day and these are the gentlemen whom you wish to see monsieur de boisac monsieur killigrew and monsieur de teligny for the first time the king looked around toward us smiling ah monsieur de teligny i thought you bore hunting in the south i did not go sire a touch of the wound i had at havre i have a great desire to hunt in the south and then petulantly well, well, mon pere, what is it this morning? The matter of these Huguenots in Florida, sire. I thought it would be upon some matter of religious concern, he muttered with a flash of ill-humor. Catholic, Huguenot, Huguenot and Catholic, I am sick of you both. Then seeing that Coligny looking at his papers remained grave and silent, the king sighed deeply and seized the admiral impetuously by the hand pardon my brave counsellor. what is it that you will your majesty this news from madrid is serious in spite of your majesty's request of philip of spain monsieur d'alava has replied for the second time that the blame of this massacre is upon the huguenots themselves He says that the view of His Majesty of Spain is that the blood of these Frenchmen is upon the soul of Coligny, Admiral of France, and that he, he alone, should be punished. You, impossible, sire, you shall see. Here are other communications, one from Focqueville, one from other survivors of the colony. AND ONE FROM RELATIVES OF THIS LANE, OUR AMBASSADOR BUT REPEATS WHAT DALAVA HAS SAID, AND WRITES THAT SO PLEASED IS HIS MAJESTY OF SPAIN WITH THE ACTS OF THIS Menendez DE AVILES, THAT HE HAS CONFERRED UPON HIM THE TITLE OF MARQUIS OF FLORIDA. Foi DE GENTILHOMME, IT CANNOT BE SO, SAID THE KING. IT IS AS I HAVE SAID, YOUR MAJESTY. The first Spanish ship to arrive in the Biscayan ports brought some of the officers of St. Augustine, and they are today the heroes of the hour in the Spanish capital. They also hold certain prisoners who were spared from the massacre, and these two have petitioned to you to secure their release. They are held as pirates which, as your majesty well knows, they are not. Jure de Dieu, shouted Charles, rising to his feet. I myself gave this commission under my own private seal. It is an insult which my brother of Spain offers me, messieurs, an insult to honor so highly a man who murders my people he walked up and down the floor his hands behind him his brow clouded the picture of resolution then by a curious inconsistency he leaned over the stag hound, which followed him patting it on the head and saying is it not so lisette as though matters of state had vanished from his memory coligny turned impatiently Sire, I have also the narration of other survivors, and I would have you talk with Monsieur de Brésac. Yes, yes, by all means, let us hear Monsieur de Brésac. Whereupon following the direction of the admiral, Brésac told again of the day upon the sand spit before the massacre when Menendez had given Jean Ribault his promise under seal to hold us as honorable prisoners of war, of our desperate condition, of the surrender, and of the martyrdom. Through it all, the king sat nervously, pulling at his pen and looking at us, his eyes shifting uneasily from the one to the other. Before the tale was far advanced, he had the appearance of one most... who wished to have the audience at an end at the soonest possible convenience that he and the admiral had been grievously and publicly insulted was a matter most apparent and yet all signs of anger had disappeared from his manner which was now that of a lad awkward and ill at ease in the presence of a company whose thoughts and mission he could not comprehend doubtless coligny understood his mood better than we but for my part he seemed but as a child to deal with the great national disgrace which was pending upon him if this disagreement with the king of spain could not be set speedily aright but suddenly the horror of the deception came upon him as it had upon monsieur de teligny a phrase or a gesture of de Brezac caught his attention and he sprang to his feet in the intensity of passion striding up and down again saying over and over it is monstrous it is monstrous he stopped as suddenly by the side of coligny putting his hand upon the admiral's shoulder when the chevalier finished he said it is well monsieur de Brézac. you have served the admiral well and you monsieur killigrew you may be sure that this matter is not ended here and then to coligny did you not say mon père that there were other reports of this unfortunate colony yes sire, and i will read he seated himself and began while brsac and i uncertain whether the survivors were of the ships or the fort strained forward to listen it was the narrative of nicolas chaleu the carpenter he spoke at some length of the happenings within the fort and of the attack by the spaniards which came at an early hour in the morning at dawn in a driving rainstorm he himself was surprised going to his duty with naught but a clasp-knife in his hand seeing no other means of escape he turned his back and leaped over the palisade i know not how it was said he unless by the grace of god that my strength was redoubled old man as i am and gray-headed a thing which i could not have done at any other time for the rampart was raised eight or nine feet having then lost all hope of seeing our men rally i resigned all my senses to the lord recommending myself to his mercy grace and favor i threw myself into the wood for it seemed to me that i could find no greater cruelty among the savage beasts than that which i had seen shown toward our people by and by i came upon an old crossbow maker who was hiding in terror among some bushes with two gentlewomen madame de la notte and her daughter diane i started forward with a cry which i could not restrain it seemed as though all my life blood was ebbing out at my finger ends. de brésac put a hand upon my arm while the admiral looked up from his papers sharply you know he began yes monsieur the wife and daughter of the vicomte de la notte i thought him at villeneuve said the king sire he was with ribault i said my heart bursting coligny still paused for the love of god sir read on i exclaimed forgetting the presence and everything save that we were there speaking of the woman i loved and that she might still be alive the king smiled a little you are impatient monsieur he said not unkindly madame and mademoiselle de la note continued the admiral who had been upon their guard and had fled to the woods through a lower casement at the first sound of danger the rain was coming down in torrents but these women hid themselves in the hollow of an oak tree madame de la notte could go no further for she was terrified and sick unto death i threw some bark and brushwood before the opening to the tree but heard the sounds of the Spaniards coming and so fled away toward the sea in company with the crossbow maker who was weeping and wringing his hands. The coward, said de Brisac, I presently descried others and came upon the artist Lemoine and a Flemish soldier carrying a woman who had been wounded in the breast. Then after toiling through a deep swamp, We met Captain René de Laudonniere, with whom we struggled through the marshes in great distress to the vessel of Captain Mallard. The Admiral paused, scanning the document. Mm, uh, The remainder deals with the voyage to Swansea and Wales and is of no importance. By my faith, nor is any of it save as information twas a most scurvy trick to lock those gentlewomen up to die in an oak tree your carpenter could better have learnt gallantry from the hardy Flemish soldier whom he is at pains to describe and yet tis just such a place that these devils might overlook replied Coligny rene de laudonniere who has sent me his report ah mon pere said the king rising abruptly shall you not spare us further reports this morning it will all be looked into in good time you shall prepare a plan and i will follow it will that please you and then gaily as for me this morning mon brave, ah, i have so inventive a humor that not less than three inspirations have come to me while i have listened my dear Ronsard will be here within a minute, and I have a sonnet which I must write to him. And then, turning to us, "'Monsieur, you may be sure that nothing will be left undone to secure the punishment of this Menendez de Aviles for the insult which he has offered me and the people of France. And so we bowed ourselves out. I, a prey to violent emotion de Brésac not knowing whether the king were insincere or only a fool, Monsieur de Téligny sure that he was both. End of chapter 18